Welcome to another podcast here from Faith Baptist Church in Visalia. My name is Eric Northuck, and uh, today we have Dan Castaneda. Check, Morning. check. Yeah. He's on the other line. All right, we can hear you loud and clear. And we are going to continue our discussion on self-esteem. I, I was thinking after last last time we, we left off, we just laid laid out self-esteem and what more is there to say and then as i was looking at jay J. adams and in, in his the biblical view of self-esteem and he says there he says it's not enough to burn down a house it's also necessary to erect another one in its place mm. and you know it's 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 fine to to tear down an argument right in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god but we also have to build up how are we to live? Yeah, that's a good yeah. question here. You know, if we're tearing down the idea of self-love, then what do we put in its place? Right. And that's the question. What what should we put in its place? <clears throat> what does the Bible teach on self-love? The Bible has a lot to say about a view of self, and we've talked about that. There is a biblical alternative to self-worth, and it does begin with the word self Right? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a very different ending. Yes, it does. It's called self-denial. Yes. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, what we're called to. Yes, it is. Which is the polar opposite of self-esteem and in, in, in self-love. Now, you can't get any clearer than the way that Jesus speaks about this. Actually, I think a good place to start is what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3. Verse 2, 2 Timothy 3, verse 2, he says, For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. And he's describing, in verse 1, difficult times. And at the very front of that list, how how do you know you're in, in difficult times? Well, when men become lovers of self. Boy, if that's not the epitome of today. Right. That, that is exactly what, what we're seeing. And, and it explains so much, you know, the narcissism of our culture. The men are lovers of self. And, and the rest of that passage really goes on to describe what are the outcomes of being lovers of yourself, doesn't it? You're lovers of money, you're proud, you're arrogant, you're abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Yeah. The companion of lovers of self in that list, like all the things that come with it is is terrifying. Yes. It begins with lovers of self, and then you have all of this. Every single one of these are self-centered, right? Everything yes. in this list is, is, is a self-centered person. Yes, absolutely. Or, or people. It reminded me of James 3. It seems, it seems like I always end up coming back to James 3 and James 4. 
James 3, verse 13 says, Who among you is wise, understanding, let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, his gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be so arrogant to lie against the truth. That kind of wisdom or that has led to that kind of behavior doesn't come from above. That's earthly, natural, demonic. So selfish ambition is demonic in its end, like the kind of wisdom that that stems from, that exaltation of self. And then he says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, you have disorder in every uh-huh. evil thing. And that's exactly what Paul was telling Timothy. Yes, every evil thing. Right. You, every evil thing, which ultimately centers around self. And and ultimately, every evil thing, and if you carry that on in James, leads to quarrels, yeah. fights, conflicts. Because you're what? Living for your passions. Passions are at war within you. Right. And so, yeah, this this list is, man, it's... It's so descriptive of our, our culture today and everything that's going on in our culture has just has come out of this love of self. And, and people have been, you know, for so long, people have been living this lie that, that self is the ultimate. And that is a lie. It started with Satan. And, and so we're living in the, really the outcome of that in our culture is all this stuff that's going on today yeah. from you know every facet of it right now the way people address authority the way you know the way people are dealing with biblical realities they're just arrogant yeah and, and abusive and, and you can't tell them no right cuz if you tell them no then then you incur their wrath oh man boy has that not been true have we not experienced that oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, they never told me when I was in seminary that you were going to incur, incur the wrath of people that you tell no. I should have known because that's the natural human behavior. But it, what's interesting about you know James three and James four in this list here is that y- you can pretty much say that if you have chaos, disorder, you know, fights going on in your life and around you, it's because of a self-centered so- somewhere. Somebody wants yes. what they want, how they want it, when they want it. Yes. And, you know, it's they're, they're, it's selfish. It's self-centeredness. It's self-esteem that is driving it. And that's just amazing. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, that, where it says men will be lovers of self, that's the word philatoi, which it's got phileo, the, the Bro- word for, for brotherly love in there, or love. And then autos, you know, where we get the word autonomy. Hmm. So love... A brotherly brotherly love for yourself. For yourself, yes. Yeah. It's the only time that word is used in the Bible, hmm. and Paul uses it very, very specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's seen in a negative light. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. love for yourself, well, then this is what's going to happen. Right. You, you never see... The, the only time that this word or this idea, love for self, is used, it is extremely negative. You, you're not going to find a case of that used where that needs to mark you as a as, sure. as a disciple. Yes. Right. I was thinking of John 15, 19, where Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would love you because the world loves its own. They they yes. are they naturally love themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what marks the worldly kind of living. That's right. And so you you would expect then that self-esteem would be a massive push in such a, a mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
if you love yourself, then you're going to do, you're going to stand for that which only benefits you or which you think benefits you yeah. that way, that which you want, your desires, and no one else's matters. But then you see the contrast in Matthew 16, um, where, was it Matthew 16, verse 24, he says, 24 and 25, uh, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's, an, that's, that's a very extreme statement. It is. That he makes it. And the word deny is quite extreme in and of itself. You talk yeah. about the opposite of self-love. Yeah. It, it literally has a sense of disavowing, repudiating. Yeah. Utterly deny. Yep. You say no, no, no to oneself. Yeah, it's to disown yourself. It's to refuse to recognize yourself. It's the exact opposite of philatoi. Yes. It's the exact opposite of that. And, and, and so Jesus commands, he says, this is just a fascinating verse. He says, if anyone desires... And there are many people who will say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. You see that in John 6. Well, beginning in John 6, you have all these disciples that are following after Jesus. At the end of John 6, they end up leaving, and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, will you go too? And, and then uh, Peter, speaking for the disciples, says, well, where would we go? You, you have the words of life. Hmm. You know, that marks the disciple. But there are many who will desire to come after him or to follow him. But the the call is self-denial. Unless you're denying yourself, you are not a follower of Jesus. That is extreme. And, How, then, and then he says, you must take up your cross and follow him. Yeah, that was my next question. I was yeah. going to say, well, how does that look? If you're denying right. yourself, what does that look like? Well, I, th- I think, you know, that next, the next phrase, you take up your cross and follow him. You know, a lot of people look at that and go, well, hey, you know, my cross is my burden. Right. Like, my spouse is my burden. Is that what you mean? Yeah. You mean by that? <laughs> like, Whatever I'm taking my... up my cross every day. I live with a bad boss. I work yeah. with a bad boss. That's my right. cross. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying yourself yes. is your burden. Yes. Your cross is to deny yourself. Yes. And what do you do with a cross? You die on it. You die on it. Yeah. Yeah, you are crucified. You know, <laughs> it's funny, I think uh, Jay Adams brings that out, and he goes, you know, the people in that day wouldn't have looked at, heard the word cross and go, well, right. that's just, you know, right. me having to work with my bad boss. Right. <laughs> no, your problem is not your boss or your no. spouse or your children. Your number one problem is your refusal to die to yourself. Mm. And uh, and this is this is this this passage of scripture. And he says, by the way, in verse twenty six, right after that, he says, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul?" So we're talking about eternal implications here. Yes, this is a stunning passage of scripture that basically Jesus is saying, unless you practice or live out self-denial and die to yourself, you are not a Christian. 
Is that not what he's saying? Yes. Yeah, and in order to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you take a back seat yeah. to me, is what Jesus is saying. You kill yourself. Right. You, you go on the cross if you're going to follow me. Yeah. You're, you're dying to self for me. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And that's the polar opposite of, you know, you come into the world... The world loves its own. The world are self-lover. The world is a, you know, they're born self-loving. And when Jesus changes the heart, when the Spirit regenerates someone, what happens is is we go from loving ourselves to loving Christ. Hmm. There is a miracle that happens. You know, and the greatest miracle of all is our hearts are changed. We begin to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates, and we grow in grace and knowledge. Mm. It's not like immediately we, we we reach the you know the the end of that continuum there. You know we're growing in it. Yes. But there is a fundamental change in us. Yes. And we recognize that Jesus is number one in our life, mm. and we love Him. Yeah, you see that also in Luke fourteen. In, in verses uh, 25 through 27 in Luke yeah. 14, Jesus says essentially the same thing. He says it a little differently. He says, if, in verse 26, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, but he didn't stop there, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Man, those are just powerful words. I mean, it just blasts anything put on the same plane as Christ. And, you know, whether it's yourself or, or you know, these relationships in your life, even good things, Jesus Christ is you are you are willing to follow him no matter what it costs. Yes. And the first thing it costs is your own sense of, you know, it's all about what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and that's that's the first thing. It's it's not about my self esteem. It's about Christ's esteem. Yes. And so you take up your cross and follow him because he took up the cross that we deserved. Mm-hmm. I think of that that whole the picture of the cross and, and what it means. You know, our self, our sinful ways, our priorities, our desires, we're to treat those things like a criminal that must be crucified. Hmm. And every single day we need to be putting that to death and sometimes moment by moment. And that's the call, which is the polar opposite of self-esteem and self-worth and self-love that the world is pushing on us today. The other thing, too, if you think about it, when, when you're living in the world of self-love, everyone else is your servant. Yeah. Everyone else serves you. You're right. here to serve me and meet my needs. Right. And, and Christ says, no, 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 you serve me. And you kill yourself in the process. Yeah. You die to self. You yeah. kill yourself. But you die to self. You know what I mean? You 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 are going to crucify your wants, desires, 
and you are going to live for me and my desires and my yeah. you're you become my slave just like in yeah. Romans 6 you know we're no longer slaves of unrighteousness but we are slaves of Christ that's right slaves don't have rights that's right they do what their master desires for them to do yeah but that's right and there's this paradox here that the one who focuses on self will lose everything hmm. including the preservation of himself yes but the one who focuses on Christ will gain everything, including the preservation of self. You know, that's, that's the, the paradox of it all. We come and we die so that we might gain life. You know, we are, we, we are buried with Christ, and we are resurrected with Christ, and so Christ becomes our all in all. He is our life. He is our source of life. We die to self that we might find life in Him. That's the gospel. Yes. And there's no room for... Self-esteem. Like John 12, 25, he who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. There's that paradox. Hmm. You, you can't be a lover of yourself and gain life. You're going to lose. Yes. Yeah, if you're looking out just for your own selfish interests and your own gain, you're looking out just for, if I'm just looking out for Dan, for Dan's sake, then I'm going to lose because I'm not going to be willing to give myself for Christ. Because yeah. all I'm going to be thinking of is what I can get out of this life yeah. here and now. And so, yeah, I really like yeah, That's just such a great verse, too. You know, if, if you think you're going to gain this world and you're going to gain everything you can, you can find in this life, you're going to lose. Yeah. And, and that loss is eternal. It, it's eternal in nature. That's right. It's not just that you, like, lost a game. You lose. Like, you lose. Eternity. You lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. Including self. Yes. I mean, there is no sense of I've arrived when you're in hell. No. You you lose everything. This is this is such a a important topic when we talk about self-esteem, self-worth and self-love because it has eternal implications. The kind of Hatred of self, like in Luke 14, 26, John 12, 25, where, where Jesus uses these extreme statements, they strike at the core of self-worth, self-esteem, and self-love. They, they, they strike it down. And, and Jesus is saying that, that that has nothing to do with me. And anyone who is pushing that and promoting that and living in that kind of thinking has nothing to do with me. That's extreme. That is. Yeah, absolutely. If you think of Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Yeah. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve yourself. You, you can't serve them both. You can't, you can't do that. It's right. an impossibility. There's right. only one God. <laughs> right. And you can't put your, your self-love on the same plane as your love for Christ. There's only one Lord. There's only one master. And it isn't you. I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 6, down at the end of uh, the chapter. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have with, with whom you have from God? You are not your own. Now, if, if you belong to Christ, you belong to him. It says, You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So that becomes my objective. Yeah. My objective is, how can I glorify God in this body? Not... Not how can I 
live for myself, not what, not what can I gain personally out of life, but how can I glorify God in this body? Yeah. And that becomes the new objective of the, of the believer who has really given his life to Christ. Yeah. And that's all encompassing. That verse tells us that it, it goes to your whole being. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way to your body, to your flesh, to every th- to your actions. It goes from the thoughts internally to the actions, you know, externally. You have been bought and paid for. If you are a child of God, therefore, your mission is not your duty is not to glorify self, but to glorify God. And and that you know that that's with everything. First Peter 1, he says, you've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living word. Yeah. And, and just how you've been bought with the precious blood. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not any blood. It's the blood of Christ, and you belong to him. And that's just so, it's so, it, it's so easy sometimes to get sidetracked from that. And when we do, that's when we find ourselves in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is true. And and when you actually compare the world and the goal of the man is to to esteem himself or to have love, self love or self worth, and your your problems are all because of low self esteem, lack of self love or low self worth. What you find is that what they're teaching, Jesus says it is the thing that's going to condemn you. Hmm. And what the world condemns, which is the denial of self, Jesus says that's the key to eternal life. Yes. I mean, they're, they're polar opposites. They are. They're antithetical. They're completely antithetical. Yes. 2 Corinthians 5.15, which I've, you know, I've, I've gone to several times even in this you know, podcast, it, and it talks exactly about that. It says that, and he died. He goes for the love of Christ controls us. Hmm. Well, that that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty uh, blatant right there. It's the love of Christ that's controlling me. That that's what's motivating me to to do the things I do. The love of Christ, not the love of self, but the love of Christ controls me. Because you have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and and. Christ dying for me and and shedding his blood for me is what moves me mm-hmm. to do the things that I'm uh, I'm doing. And he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised to life. Hmm. And there's no there's no room for self in there. Yeah. There really isn't. I mean that that is literally the picture of baptism isn't it hmm. we it are is. we are demonstrating how we die to ourselves. yes and we are risen with christ that's that's what we're doing when we become baptized that's what we're proclaiming to the entire church that i am going to choose to live for christ i'm going to choose to love christ and and, and love the church because mm. you can't love christ and not love the body of christ so, yeah, we are literally commanded not to live for selves. And so our, our, our mantra is for me to live is Christ. Christ, yes. Right. 
And and if we live like that, then when we die, we gain. And unless unless you can say for me to live as Christ, death is not gain. It's only it's only misery. Hmm. And and there has to be this this complete change, this paradigm that shifts in us that recognizes that like you said, we are we are slaves to Christ and our life is about him, not about ourselves, our goals, our dreams, mm. our visions. You know, I remember like the American dream was a big expression when I was, you know, yeah. first married and, you know, the American dream, you'd own your own, own house and, and all of that. That was the primary focus of so many people in the church. But that was never the command of Christ mm. to his disciples. Yes. He didn't say, well, you know, I saved you so you can go and, 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 self-sufficient. and, and live, become self-sufficient, <laughs> independent, and, and buy your dream home, and build your dream home, and have a family and amazing Christmases and, and all this stuff. And I'm not saying those are bad things, but if right. they are why you are living, they are, they become idolatry. That's right. And they become very self-focused. Mm-hmm. God, you know, does allow us to be able to own houses and mm-hmm. things like that, but those things can't be center focus. And, and that can't be what we're looking to for contentment, satisfaction, fulfillment, yeah. completeness in life. And that, that can only come from Christ. Right. For me to live is Christ. Yes. And that, that just needs to be etched in our, in our thinking. And we need to wake up in the morning and say, oh, yes, for me to live is Christ. Not, not me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to my wife. I was just kind of asking, what, 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 is, what would you describe being married and being a mom, and she said it's it's constant self-denial. Hmm. It is the hardest thing because all the time you have to die to self. Yes. Constantly. And that's hard. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you th- yeah, I think of all the things that my mom did growing up, and I just saw someone who, you know, denied self for children yeah. and family, you know, and that's... But the reality is that God has called all of his people to live a life of self-denial and in every facet of life, regardless of whether you're married, single, you know, what, where you work. Yeah. You, you're, you, you know, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And then the second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor as yeah, yourself. That's right. Yeah. You already love yourself. Right. <laughs> but you love your neighbor. But those are elevated, you know, and yep. God, it starts with God. If yep. you don't love God, you'll never love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Because if you don't love God, you love yourself. When, when we talk about self-denial, we're not saying that you don't, you know, you just need to refuse to eat food and, and don't right. take care of your body and don't take sh- showers and whatever. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. That's <laughs> loving of us when you do that, actually, of, of all the people around you. But... The problem is, is our love of self pops up everywhere, and we have to keep. It's like that the, the game whack a mole, right? Yeah, you have to keep beating that thing down. Yes, constantly. We are literally commanded not to live for ourselves. Romans fourteen seven, for none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. Verse eight, for if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Hmm. So Christ 
takes the place of yes. self. Yes. And he's on the throne. He's on the throne. Yes. Yeah. It was Jay Adams who said this, love itself by definition is the denial of self. Love is the cessation of self-directed, self-concerned, self-centered living. Those are completely incompatible. Yes. Love in self. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. I, I think that just kind of nails it on the head, you know, and the, the idea that, you know, this, in this whole idea of self-esteem that it's, number one, it's anti-biblical and it's, it's anti-God. Yeah. Because you either love God or you love yourself. You can't yeah. do both. Yeah. And, and God and Christ, if we belong to Christ, he has called us to love him more than anything, especially ourselves. Yeah. Because we're to be actually crucifying ourselves and, and killing self, putting it on the cross daily. Take yeah. up your cross daily and follow me. It is daily. Yeah. It is daily. Yeah. So what do we do when we fail? Well, you know, if we if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And we will fail all yes. the time. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Yes, absolutely. There's only one who has lived perfect, selfless living and submitted perfectly to the will of the Father, and that was Jesus, of course. And because he lived that perfect life, we find in him our perfection, hmm. not in ourselves. Yes. And so there again is a call to die to self because mm -hmm. you won't find the grace or the gospel or the perfect righteousness that you need mm -mm. in yourself. It's only in Christ. So when we fail, run to Jesus. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Run to him because that's where, that's where forgiveness is. Yep. That's where grace is. That's where mercy is for every day. Yeah. And never in ourselves, but only in Him. It's only in Him. I was thinking just how emphatic this is that we understand that when we are living for self, we are denying everything that Christ calls us to. Mm. This is not a, a minor thing. This is major, and it has eternal implications and so I, I would just say that if, if you find yourself prone towards selfishness, like we all are, mm -hmm. that you got to kill that thing mm -hmm. because it is dragging you to the very brink of hell. And it is denying everything that God has called you to. Yes. And, and if you, you want to know if you are self-centered, maybe you don't know it, maybe you're so selfish you can't even tell if you're selfish or not, then honestly ask people around you. Yes. Because I'll bet they'll tell you. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, hey, try asking someone, you yeah. know, where do you see selfishness in me? Yeah. Try, try asking that. <laughs> yeah. You know. And, and listen. Yes. One of the things I've seen when, when I come across extreme self-centeredness is just it's like trying to break through a solid steel wall, you know. Mm. It's, it's, it's almost impenetrable. Mm. And when I see that, that extreme self-centeredness, e even when someone professes that they're a Christian, man, I start to get really concerned, really concerned. And then when I think, when I see it in myself too, I go, man, what? <laughs> 
what are you doing, Eric? You know. So. All right. All right. Well, hey, this is this has been a great conversation. I mean, you took take all these, you know, th- three or four now that that we've done on this topic, and it's I think it's been a good conversation to have, and I hope people find it encouraging to think through, and even challenging for their own lives to think through and and think you know, hey, where am I? How am I, you know, how am I living for Christ? Where do I need to grow in in my love for Christ? And what do I need to be killing in my own life? And then, you know, if if someone's listening to this and they're not a believer to think, hey, what am I living for? Yeah. Who am I living for? Am I living for me and, and me and myself only? And where's that going to get me? Yeah. You know, in the end, Christ says that you will lose your life. If you're trying to save it in this world, you will lose it. That's yeah. definitive. Mm-hmm. That's a definitive declaration that that's what will happen. That's right. So you're playing with fire. Yes. God help us all. Yes. Amen. All right. And on that note. It's a good note to end on. Yeah. It's a serious conversation, serious implications. Been a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Visalia, and uh, you are welcome to come to church. We have services at ten thirty on Sunday morning. We do Sunday school at nine thirty, so and then six o'clock in the evening, and kids programs on Wednesdays. But come on by. Uh, until next time. <laughs>